Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to or watching as the case may be. Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about wokeism and Christianity. And I guess I should rephrase that. It's not so much that we're going to talk about wokeism as in what is wokeism, how are Christians out there acting woke. We're going to talk about one of the tenets of wokeism. I'm going to read a brief excerpt from some notes I've been compiling on uh, Marxism and talk about how that has affected this social justice warrior uh, society today and uh, the hierarchy of oppression and all that good stuff. But this research and, and this way of thinking got me thinking about a particular passage of Scripture where Jesus, while he doesn't talk about wokeism, he highlights or points out this current generation, not the one we're in, but the one he was in, and about how they acted. And he said, how would I describe this generation? And he describes his generation. And folks, the words of the preacher ring true. There is nothing new under the sun. He describes one of the main tenets of wokeism. And so we're going to at least go to Matthew chapter 11. Um, man, it wouldn't hurt us to go to Proverbs 27 and just read and do an overview of Proverbs 27, 1 through 8. But I want to make sure that I read a little bit from my notes about cultural Marxism or, or Marxism, uh, class Marxism, and, and it informs cultural Marxism, which incidentally gets into uh, where we're coming up with this, uh, oh, and I can't think of it, uh, critical race theory. This critical theory, which is a Marxist idea, evolved into critical race theory. Now, if you're a Christian and you're listening to this and you take away that I think that as Christians, we need to go out there and be bullish, bullies, uh, overly offensive, uh, saying things for shock value to get a rise out of people who uh, believe some of these things that are ill-informed and, and quite frankly detrimental to Western culture based on Judeo-Christian values, you are taking the wrong thing away from the podcast. I think Christians need to figure out the best way to be the rock of Gibraltar against which the waves of this tumult breaks. And we need to show our character and the core of who we are and how we're unchanging and we love and we are kind. And in some instances, we are nice. So just think about that. Good to see everybody. Um, John Exum, hope your morning's going well. Uh, he's got his Frappuccino, and he's ready for the day. Terry Crooks, good morning. John Exum, good morning. And there was another comment in the chat from the Sword and Pearl. Uh, the Sword and Pearl got in before the show even started, so we're thankful that they um, gave us a comment. And then Facebook user praising Jesus. Uh, I apologize because it does not tell me your name. I do want to acknowledge your comment. Uh, you must be listening in the Christianity Now Facebook group, which, which incidentally, I have not promoted the Christianity Now Facebook group in some time. Uh, we would love for you to go uh, check out the Christianity Now Facebook group. But before we get into the meat of our podcast, we need to hear a word from our sponsor. Are you part of a church congregation or any institution seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Well, look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches or any organization she sees fit. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate both far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dotson today, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. And um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That's X, Twitter, also known as X, or X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, it's Christianity Now at 1 Chronicles 1232. That's the verse about the sons of Issachar. All right, I'm going to leave that up there. For those of you that are here, thank you so much. It's a wonderful crowd today. 
and be sure that you're the algorithm for us. Uh, listen, YouTube, Facebook, all these folks, they don't, they don't promote a little show like us. And I, why would they? But if you interact with it, which you do, and we're thankful for that, but if you share the show to your social media platforms, then Facebook and YouTube will be like, Hey, this is interactive content and we will free of charge, put it in front of other people that share similar interest as yourself. Uh, John Exum said, oh, sorry, Sword and Pearl saying to John Exum, sounds good. It's evening time here, so tease the beverage of choice. Cheers. Yeah, that's right, Sword and Pearl, you're in a... Are you in South Africa? Is that... Is that... If I got that right, that's that's pretty cool. Um, I know some people from South Africa. Uh, Theo and Amy Scullard... Uh, he's a preacher. I don't know what the congregation is down there where he is, but anyway, uh, and we have some listeners and stuff from Port Elizabeth. So anyway, that's all we've got here. I'm going to put the tip jar up because, uh, folks, well, where's it at right there? Uh, here's the tip jar. If you want to support us financially, we would love for you to do that. Uh, there's ways to do it in the show notes, but you can also do it by the tip jar or do a $5 a month subscription on Substack. Now, let's get into our podcast. What in the world is Marxism or wokeism? Well, just from some of my notes, wokeism is a term that has evolved in its usage over the years. Initially, woke referred to just people being aware of injustices around them. In other words, if you were part of an in-group, you need to be woke to the experiences and perception of an out-group, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think in that, in that definition, wokeism is good. It's needed. I mean, there, there, are, there are places, I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of punch this right in the nose. Um, there's racial tension in the United States, <clears throat> So racial tension in the United States, there are areas of the United States where if you are white, you are part of the out group. So then the in group would need to be woke to the perception and experiences of the out group and ch maybe change accordingly if needed. The same way if you go to certain places in the United States, if you're black, you are part of the out group and the in group needs to be aware or woke to the perceptions and experiences of the outgroup, and if need be, change accordingly. It's not inherently bad that there is an in-group outgroup. What is inherently bad if the in-group use their status to oppress? And I think for a time in our history, um, through television and culture and comedians affecting the culture, that there was less and less of this going on. I'm not saying it was ever perfect, but I'm saying we have degraded from the 1980s and 1990s. That that the the 60s saw the saw social justice reforms in the form of civil right the civil rights movement. The 70s uh, things were were shifting because of that codification into law. The civil rights movement. And then in the 80s, we were starting to do a lot of repairing. And then in the 90s, man, things were good. Um, you look at television, primetime television, there was representation. There was everything uh, that you would want. You had Ellen DeGeneres coming out. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres came out as a lesbian. And nothing. there was no real backlash about that except uh, Ellen the, the, the show that she came out on made every episode after that she came out, <clears throat> after she came out, uh, it made it about her being a lesbian, so nobody wanted to watch it. But I, I remember like in 1982, uh, one, some of the first episodes of the comedy Cheers uh, was doing societal or social engineering talking about uh, are trying to normalize being homosexual and a professional athlete. So these things just have a, have a common, a common theme, a common uh, path down which they follow. 
But the, the, the idea of woke isn't inherently bad. It isn't necessarily bad. It's good to be aware of the perception and the plight of others who don't share your particular cultural values, okay? Now, in a contemporary sense, wokeism can be defined as a social or political ideology that emphasizes awareness and activism on a range of issues, including racial justice, gender equality, LGBTQ plus rights, and environmental concerns. It often involves a commitment to challenging established norms and values, advocating for systemic change, and promoting inclusivity and diversity. Now, this is where it starts to break down, because what do you notice is being taken away from this activism, this well, we're going to make societal changes and we're going to set up hierarchies based on what? Diversity and inclusivity. So this has evolved into the government telling large corporations, look, you have 50 people on your board of directors. 25 of them have to be black. 25 of them have to be white. 20 of, of those 25 black, 25 white, they have to be women or you would have to it's not just a black and white. You could, so you'll say, well, you got to have diversity and inclusivity, and you got to have representation of all different classes of people in your board of directors. There's just one problem to that. With this new woke ideology, and I'm using woke accommodatively here, in this new woke ideology, there's so many intersections. And at each intersection of oppression, a new identity is made. So there's no way to have true inclusivity and diversity or true representation in a company or at the leadership of company of a company. Let me tell you what happens. What, what, let me tell you what needs to happen. We need to put meritocracy back as the deciding factor of whether or not someone is successful in society. For instance, if you go at 16 years old and you start uh, flipping burgers, well, I, don't, I know people don't really flip burgers at McDonald's anymore, but so you, you go be a McDonald's worker at 16 years old. If you grind, if you show up for work every time you're scheduled and on time and you do your job and you hustle, you're going to go right up to the la right up the ladder to one day in, in, in the not too distant future from 16, maybe by the time you're 30, you could actually be an owner operator of a franchise. Like McDonald's tells you, you can do this. And let me tell you something. At that point, you are making a life changing amount of money and you have no college debt. You have no debt to anybody. You have been paid for the training that, that you've been given, and now your life is such that you are a prominent member and well-respected member of a particular community and society. Now, red, yellow, black, and white, male or female, it doesn't matter. McDonald's just wants to make money. In the United States, we have a phrase, your money is green and your blood's red. That's all we care about. But we don't really care about the color of your blood. It's money. And for those of you that don't know, the money in the United States is green. Uh, the money in Canada is rainbow. Well, it's not really rainbow colored, but it's, it's pastel colors and it's different colors. Anyway, um, so we I think we understand what wokeism is. Wokeism is the victimization or victimhood and oppression Olympics. If I can show how I'm victimized, then I have societal clout. And now I can get a promotion or I can get a job where somebody who doesn't ascribe to the ideology of wokeism, they say, if I work hard and I learn a valuable skill set, then I will rise up the hierarchy, the ladder, and I will be successful. Um, hello, Ava Potter and Paul. Oh, hold on. I can't see. Bear with me just a second. Paul Owusi, I believe is his name. Yeah, Paul Owusi. Good to see everybody. And Ava Potter. And uh, John Exum says the Jews and Samaritans had issue with each other so much that they would not even share utensils together. And now some, oh, sorry, that's not two, two comments, but different context. Uh, 
now some churches want to include same-sex folks in leadership and so forth. Yeah, that's because of the wokeism. Well, and it's because from the from the ideology of wokeism, the fact that the church doesn't accept LGBTQ people uh, practicing LGBTQ plus individuals, well, that's because the church is is naturally oppressive and discriminatory against the LGBTQ AAIP two two spirit plus community. Well, that's not the case. This book here has guidelines for how to live and how to behave. And if you are sexually active, not being married, then you cannot be right in the eyes of God. Red, yellow, black, and white, whether you're sexually active with an animal or a member of the same sex or a member of of the opposite sex, you can't be in God's good graces. Therefore, you can't be a member of a congregation in good standing has nothing to do with your skin color, your, your, uh, nation of origin doesn't have anything to do with your sexual preferences. We follow the Bible. So that's a, that's a good point. And, uh, and again, you know, what would Jesus say about wokeism? The Christian, uh, what did I, sorry, I need to look at my, I need to look at my, thumbnail again. Yeah. What would Jesus say about this woke generation of Christians? And as John mentioned, there are a woke generation of Christians. All right. So here's, here's some of my notes on Marxism, social Marxism often referred to as cultural Marxism. It's a theory that extends the principles of Marxist, the principles of Marxist thought beyond the economic sphere. So Marxism is an ideology. Um, hold on just a second. Let me find, let me find these notes. Um, so social Marxism, no, 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 no. My bad. Right here, the development of Marxism. Sorry, I've got these, I got these stream of consciousness notes and I'm scrolling through because I couldn't remember where I wanted to go next. Uh, so we're going to start at the end of my notes and work ourselves backwards just a little bit. Let's talk about the development of Marxism. This is under a section in my notes about Marxist or, or the French Revolution's influence on um, Marxism. Marxism is formulated by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. Uh, it was primarily a critique of capitalism. They developed a theory that saw history. Now, this is important. This informs this ideology of wokeism and, and social Marxism, which really and truly critical race theory is social Marxism or cultural Marxism. They developed a theory that saw history as a series of class struggles and believed that these struggles would ultimately lead to the overthrow of capital, of the capitalist system and the establishment of a communist society. While the French Revolution provided an important historical backdrop, Marxism was more directly a response to the conditions and contradictions of the capitalist system that developed in the 19th century. But again, the French Revolution had uh, influence on Marxism. In summary, while the French Revolution did not directly give rise to Marxism, it was influential in shaping the intellectual and social milieu that later led to the development of Marxist thought. It provided a historical example of revolutionary change and class struggle, which are central to Marxist theory. So the idea of Marxist theory is that the means of production should be owned by the people. In other words, if you have a, if you have a sprocket factory, then the people making the sprocket should own the means of production. And because in a capitalistic society, you would have a venture capitalist invest in laborers and the laborers would build the factory, build the machine, build the sprockets. All of these are using the capital from the venture capitalist, whether it's a single venture capitalist or a group of venture capitalists. And everybody will be making money because you will be you'll, people who are sweeping the floors all the way up to the CEO of the company 
are making money, and in return, the venture capitalists also make money. Now, that's a much better system than the means of production belong to the workers because, you see, the workers didn't put anything into the company. The workers are the workers by themselves couldn't do it. The venture capitalists by themselves couldn't do it. Capitalism in capitalism uh, actually acknowledges that all parties involved are necessary to the working of the system. Where Marxism says that the venture capitalists are not necessary to the to the working of the system, the functioning of the system. So they, they say, well, the venture capitalists are oppressive. Now, what that plays out in 2023 is, well, you have old white men that are oppressed, or that are oppressive, and they are oppressing everybody else, particularly people of color. Well, there's just one thing wrong with that. Money is green, blood is red, and whenever an old, an old rich white man is making money, he doesn't care who's making him money. He's caring about the money. It's not a race issue. Now, if we had a good capitalistic society, then all of these injustices and things would work themselves out because in this society with our values the way they are, with the counterbalance of wokeism in a healthy way, well, you wouldn't, a a capitalistic society wouldn't spend money and allow a factory or a company within that system to thrive if that person, if that system went against the values of the culture. All right. For instance, if you, if you've got a, if you've got a a shoe company today and they talk about, well, we, we don't like homosexuals. We don't like black people. We don't like Spanish people society would see that that shoe company falls by the wayside. It's self-policing, all right? Meritocracy is where it's at. We need to get away from these intersectional ideas and this victimhood mentality, and we need to say, look, we're going to go back to what founded Judeo-Christian values in the first place, and we're going to go back to the Genesis chapter 4 principle. If thou doest well, will it not be accepted of thee? And if thou doest not well, then sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be its desire. Under Trump, all the wokeism and special training classes and all the stuff that came up on workplace governor contractors, computers stopped in Huntsville. That's awesome. Uh, I will tell you this. Uh, I, uh, I talk about all the time back in the heyday of live streaming where I would have sometimes a hundred people in a live stream and I'd live stream for three or four hours because it was just that hopping and that active. Uh, that was in 2016 and 20, 2015, 2016, uh, 2016 is whenever live streaming started taking off and, and about 2017 going into 2018 was whenever Zuckerberg changed the algorithm. And I think, I don't know, I don't know, but I think it has something to do with um, the political division that had to do with Donald Trump's election. I personally believe that the Democrats helped Donald Trump get through the Republican primary because they thought that Hillary Clinton, the only person that she could beat that was running for president, or running to, to win the presidential nomination for the Republican side was out of all of them, Donald Trump was the only one she could beat. Well, as it turns out, I don't think Trump was necessarily elected in 2016. It's just Hillary Clinton was voted down. And of course, by, by default, you have Trump getting the election. I think that's what happened in 2020. Um, people didn't elect Joe Biden. They kicked out Trump. So anyway, I just don't mean to get political like that, but yeah, I think it's very interesting. Anyway, so let's let's get into um what do I want to do here? Uh 
let's talk about some key elements of social Marxism. Um, yep. Hey, hey, Alabama says, that's about the time I stopped getting Christian or Church of Christ suggestions on my computer. Yeah, I think I think that I think Christian content was caught up in that um, was caught up in that shadow banning of all the right wing stuff, and I think Christians were considered right wing right wing extremist. Again, I ask me to prove it. I can't prove it. Let's talk about some key elements of social Marxism. Um, Cultural hegemony. This concept developed by Italian Marxist philosopher uh, Antonio Gramsci, or Gramsci, I don't know how to pronounce this name, posits that the ruling class uses cultural institutions to maintain power. According to Gramsci, societal norms, values, and beliefs are shaped by the dominant class to preserve their interest, often leading to the marginalization of the less dominant group. So what's going to happen with all these elements of social Marxism? They are going to see a disparity of outcome between different classes of people. And social Marxism attributes the reason not to merit of culture, but to racism or social injustice in some other way. In other words, discrimination, racism, or whatnot. So if you see, for instance, it is true that if you take all of the women who work and add up their salary and average their salary, and you take all of the men who work and average their salary, it is true that women make about 70 cents on the dollar. According to the social or cultural Marxism, that disparity has to be because of the male-dominated hierarchy of the patriarchy and that men are just oppressing women. But there's just one problem with that. Women work less hours. They take lower-paying jobs. They take more time off for different endeavors, such as maternity and stuff like that. They don't go into the STEM fields as much as men do, uh, which STEM is uh, science, science, T, engineering, and math, science, technology, engineering, and math. So women typically don't go into those fields at the same rate as men, which those STEM fields, they, they pay much, much more. Um, instead of being doctors, there are more female nurses. But let's say, let's use nurses. You take a male nurse and you take a female nurse. And if you, and if you normalize for education, years of experience, uh, location, in the, location in the nation, then there, there turns out there is no monetary disparity. But according to social Marxism, if there is a monetary disparity between men and women, it must be because men are oppressing women. And of course, that's, that's absolutely wrong. Uh, there's also a critique of ideology in social market Marxism. Social Marxism examines how dominant ideologies considered as the prevailing worldview of the ruling class serve to justify inequalities. It scrutinizes cultural narratives, beliefs, and values, analyzing how they reflect and reinforce class interest. Do you see how cultural Marxism is always about dividing? Here's the thing. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are all precious in his sight. And if a nation culturally would adopt the values of Christianity, then that would be a nation where everyone of any race, creed, color, whatever, gender would be able to thrive. And I put forth to you that even though the United States of America is kind of bowed down or bowed down on one knee right now because of the poor leadership, that there is still people who are risking their lives and risking the innocence of their children and risking being sold off into sex slavery just for the chance to be able to come and live in the United States of America illegally because an, an illegal 
status in the United States where you can only work for cash and you can't climb the, the ladder of success is a much better prospect than actually living in their country of their nativity as a citizen. And I know this firsthand because I know people from Guatemala and Mexico in my past that risked all kinds of hardships just to come up and they would do the most difficult jobs and work in the most difficult conditions so they could have a better life than where they were back home. And you've got, again, people coming from the, the country of Cuba trying to get to Florida and they will, I mean, they'll, they'll try to cross the ocean in a bathtub with spare tires around it. Folks, even in the situation the United States of America is right now, it's still a shining beacon of hope that if a person can just but get into the country, whether they're a legal citizen or not, their lot in life is vastly improved, so much so that they are willing to risk life, limb, and innocence and being sold into sexual slavery. Just think about that. All right. So this critique of ideology, um, it's all about um, it's all about divide, divisiveness, dividing. So what about the emphasis on social constructs? Uh, cultural Marxism, it views many aspects of society, including race, gender, and sexuality, as socially constructed. These constructs are seen as tools used by the dominant class to divide and control the working class, perpetuating inequalities. So, Cultural Marxism says if you're not part of the dominant class and you're considered another class, it is because the dominant class made up off the top of their head your identity and is using that against you. For instance, male and female, man and woman. Well, there's a disparity between those two classes of people. So that means that the dominant class, males, socially constructed the female gender role. And in other words, men and women, uh, we have female sports, not because men and women are biologically different, but because sometimes women wear dresses. I I've heard Tim Poole say that. Anyway, <laughs> the government sends the Cubans back. They want freedom. Yeah. Um, man, I tell you, I hate to put it like this, but I think everybody entering into the nation, in, into any nation illegally, needs to be sent back. That's that's the craziest thing in the world, just to bring them in and, and let them have their way with society and flout the, flout the laws of our society. Anyway, I've spent... Probably too long on this. Let, let's go to the emphasis on social constructs. So the gender is just a social construct used by the patriarchy to oppress 50% of the people. Well, that's obviously that's wrong. Gender is not a social construct. Gender is a biological construct. If you're male, if you're female, then you fall into different or, or, or to separate gender roles because of biology. All right, intersectionality. This is the one I wanted to get to. Probably should have just started with it first and then get right to Matthew 11 because I don't think we're going to have enough time to go to the Proverbs. Um, intersectionality. This is a more modern development, intersecting with social Marxism. Uh, it examines how various forms of social stratification, such as race, class, and gender, interconnected or interconnect and contribute to systemic injustices. For instance, um, if you're a white person, you're privileged and you are inherently better off, I should say, than everybody else. I want to say you're inherently better, but the the if if I were if I'm empathetic and I put myself into the position of a black man, and I say that because I'm a white man. So if I think if I were a black man and I was told that because of my race, I'm going to have a hard time in society. I'm going to have a hard time succeeding that the white man is always going to keep me down. I'm going to take that as, as you're saying that 
the white person is inherently better than me. I don't understand why the black community would, would fall for that. And it's, it's kind of like with affirmative action. I remember whenever I was a child and we had family gatherings and we would do things, we would play horseshoes, we would play cornhole, we would get outside and run around this, that, and the other. Whenever I was very, very young, you know, he's like, well, look, if you're playing horseshoes, you can get closer to the mark. I'm like, no, I want to do it back here where everybody else does it. I'm just as good a horseshoe thrower as you. I'm just as good a cornhole thrower as you. Why do I have to get special treatment? Let me do it. And I puffed my chest out and I struggled through and I got pretty good at horseshoes because of it. Where if I was allowed to, if I was allowed to always have an advantage because of my, my youth, then I wouldn't have ever dug in and developed a skill where I could be able to play horseshoes. Well, same way with society. Well, um, I saw Steven Crowder do a change my mind segment. And he talked to a young woman who black woman who, uh, she, she had to admit, I don't know if I got into this college because I earned it and was good enough or because I was a diversity, well, I was going to say a diversity hire. I was a diversity pick. I was an affirmative action. I, I was picked because of affirmative action. Vody Balkum, he's a false teacher, but he's highly educated. And I was listening to one of his lectures, and he said he's got two doctorates. One of his doctorates comes from the highly esteemed Oxford University in England. And the reason he said that he wanted to go outside of the United States is so that nobody in this crazy cultural Marxist woke society could accuse him of having his doctorate be because of affirmative action. He said, and I quote, I didn't want to give anybody occasion to accuse me and to take away my merits and my success by accusing me of being a token Negro. That is what he said. That was his verbiage. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. Now, let's talk about how this comes into the church. Wokeism takes away any and all standards. It's all about how you feel. I feel oppressed, therefore I'm oppressed, so now you have to give me special treatment. I feel, if I'm a man, I feel like a woman, so women are oppressed, you've got to give me special treatment. So now we're going. these things intersect, talk about intersectionality. So I'm transgender, so that makes me, so there's one, I'm part of the LGBTQAAIP plus community, so there's two. I happen to be black, there's three. So I've got three levels of intersection. Folks, I'm oppressed. I, I've got a lot of clout in this. Oh, and I, let's say I'm obese. Well, all you people out there, and I'm ugly. That's five. Five intersecting woke uh, constructs that keep me oppressed. Therefore, you have to hand me everything on a social platter, on a silver platter, socially. All right. Now, let's let's go to Matthew chapter 11 and think about what 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 would what would Jesus say about this generation of woke Christians? Well, I tell you what. I'm going to start I'm just going to start reading at the beginning of the chapter. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go show John again these things, or those things which you do hear and see. 
The blind receive their sight and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not find, shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitude concerning John, what went ye out to see in the wilderness? A reed shaken by the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you that among them that are born of women, there hath not arisen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violence take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you will receive it, this is Isaiah which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? So he, he's juxtaposing John the Baptist really and himself. Okay? He's juxtaposing John the Baptist and himself. Like, what'd you go out to see when you go to see John? Did you go see a, you want to go see a reed shaking in the wind? That's not what you wanted to go see. You didn't want to go see a weak man that just went where the wind took him. You went to go see a strong man. Did you go, you go out to see a man in soft apparel, in soft raiment? No, those people are in king's houses. You went to see a prophet of God, what you went to see. And not only did you go see a prophet of God, you went and saw the greatest prophet of God, the greatest in privilege, because among them that are born of women, there hath not arisen a greater prophet than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven shall be greater than he. Folks, Jesus is really speaking highly of John. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It's likened to children sitting in the market and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced, and we have mourned unto you, and you have not lamented. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and you say he's demented. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified in her children. I love that. I believe what Jesus would say of these woke Christians in this generation, wisdom is justified of her children. Look at wisdom and see the offspring. Look at the people who are putting themselves out there to be wise and look at the results of that. Look at this woke culture around you. Look at this diversity in the diversity, equity, and inclusion culture and see what it gets you. Look at what happened to Disney. Get woke, go broke. Look what happened. Not that I'm not that I promote blood light, blood light. Not that I promote Bud Light, but look at what happened to Bud Light whenever they used an abomination of an individual to sell beer to children. $30 billion in sales, or, or well, 30% of their sales. They're, they're trying their best to rebrand and repair their brand. Look at their children. So what, what, what would Jesus say to these Christians who think that we need to adopt cultural Marxism in the church? These people that aren't satisfied at anything. Remember, they accused Jesus of being a glutton and a wine-bibber because he ate and he drank. John didn't eat or drink. And they say he's demented. So Jesus is basically saying, I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. So I'm just going to do it God's way. With you, by the way. You, 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 you are damning me if I eat and drink just like you damned John the Baptist because he didn't eat and drink. You're like children saying, we've piped and you didn't dance, and we mourned and you didn't cry. Wisdom is known of her children. What are the children of this woke culture 
Well, you see them. They're running around with cat ears trying to poop in litter boxes in our schools. And we're supposed to stand idly by and act like it's normal. We can't simply look at these people and say, that's the enemy. Jesus would say, listen, your, your generation is like a little, like children. You need wisdom is justified over children. What are you going to do? You got to change. We've got to get this mess out of the churches. Let me get to comments here. Christians are to love their neighbors and themselves and to seek justice for the oppressed. Micah 6, 8, it says, He has shown you, old man, but what does the Lord require of thee but to do justice and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Um, there are debates among Christians about what this looks like in practice and how to balance social justice concerns with biblical teachings. I'm glad you put that up there, Terry. There is, like, social justice is an abomination to God. Social justice is actually sinful. Let me explain why. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel. This is amazing. Social justice is not God's justice. Social justice is counter to God's justice. Social justice calls for the holding accountable of an entire intersectional class for the actions, or excuse me, uh, social justice requires holding one person accountable for the egregious behavior of a class, okay? For instance, As a white person, social justice says I am responsible for the original sin of the United States, which is slavery. I will tell you that no one in my bloodline has ever benefited from slavery. My parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, none of these people were slave owners. Very few people were slave owners. There were only in the South about 3,700, I think, Slave owners, the, uh, I'm, no amount of slave owners is okay, but I'm just saying social justice and, yeah, social justice says that I am responsible and that I am to be held accountable for the sins of people in my past that I'm not even blood related to. M most of my family did not even come over to the United States until the early 1900s. But social justice says that I bear the sins of my father. Well, let's see what God says. I'm going to start reading in Ezekiel chapter 18. We're going to have a fairly lengthy reading here. The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, What mean ye that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, the, father have eat, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith the Lord God, you shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father and also the soul of the Son is mine, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. But if a man be just and do that which is lawful and right, and hath not eaten upon the mountains, neither hath lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, Neither hath defiled his neighbor's wife, neither hath come near to a minstrel's woman, and hath not oppressed any, but hath restored to the debtor his pledge, and spoiled none by violence, hath given his bread to the hungry, and hath covered the naked with a garment. He that hath not given forth upon usury, neither hath taken any increase that hath withdrawn his hand from iniquity. Sorry, I lost my place here hath executed true judgment between man and man, hath walked in my statutes and hath kept my judgments to deal truly, he is just. He shall surely live, saith the Lord. Well, that's regardless of your intersexual identity, intersexual, intersectional identity. That's regardless of your social identity. That's based on the man. I remember studying Dr. Martin Luther King. I have a dream. And part of his dream 
was that his children and grandchildren could grow up in a land where they are judged, where they are held accountable, not for the color of their skin, not for the social uh, intersectional identity, group identity that they have, but for the content of their character. Christians are not to treat people according to their group identity. They are Christians are to treat people according to the content of their character. They are supposed to take them as individuals. Not a social, not, not a result of a social construct. Not a result of a, of a, of a social identity class. It goes on. If he beget a son that is a robber, a shedder of blood, and that doeth the like to any one of these things, and that doeth not any of these duties, but even hath eaten upon the mountains, so on and so forth. Well, we'll skip down to 18. As for the father, as for his father, because he cruelly oppressed and spoiled his brother by violence and did that which is a good among them, among his people, lo, even he shall die in his iniquity. Yet what say ye? Why? Doth not the son bear the iniquity of the father? When the son hath done that which is lawful and right and hath kept all thy statutes and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do all that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live and he shall not die. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord, and not that he should return from his ways and live? Folks, the judgment to come upon Israel was because of individuals. Now, granted, it happened to the nation, but sometimes bad things happen to innocent people because of the things that guilty people do. But make no mistake about it, we cannot judge one person based on their social identity. Let me tell you what that looks like. You have a black man and he's walking down the road, and you say, hey, you're black, and last week we had a black man rob a house, and even though you're not that same black man, all black men then must be robbers, so we're going to run you out of town because you're, you share the same group identity with him. Folks, we call that racism, and that don't stand. Well, you can, you can plug any construct, any, any identity and replace black for woman, Spanish, Japanese, Chinese, white, Caucasian, um, anything. Doesn't matter. We have to take the individual on their merits. For instance, we do this in evangelism. Whenever people in the Church of Christ speak to members of denominations, a lot of times those people in denominations are not heard out. Well, so-and-so from the Baptist Church, I've been studying with them, and you know, I know what they believe already, so I'm just trying to teach them. Really, so you think, you think that that 500-member Baptist Church, that, that you, can, you can treat every member of that Baptist Church the same, just because you think you know Baptist doctrine, you think they all believe the same? You think you can treat that person as a Baptist? You better treat that person as a soul for whom Christ died. I don't like it when it's done to me. I was, I was uh, told recently that because I'm a member of the Church of Christ, I'm a member of a denomination, and by default, I'm a follower and believer of Alexander Campbell. I'm just like, you don't know. You're, you're a bigot. You're judging me based on a group identity. That's wokeism. That's cultural Marxism. There's no satisfying you. 
You, you got to take me based on my merits. That's why I say a lot. I have, I have withdrawn myself from the larger quote unquote church of Christ moniker. I don't care if a building, if somebody meets in a building and they hang a shingle that says church of Christ. I don't, I don't give them the benefit of the doubt anymore. I don't know whether or not I'm in fellowship with those people. I'm not going to vouch for them unless I know them. I do know that the Riverview Church of Christ is part of the church that Jesus built when he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I can list three or four other congregations that I know full well are part of the church that was established on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts chapter 2. But folks, we got to get our heads out of the sand. We got to be aware of this. Um, I've been going an hour now, and I tell you, let's, we've already gone this long. Let's go to the book of Rome of uh, Proverbs, and let's check out Proverbs 27. This is probably currently my favorite passage of Scripture, at least the one that helps me the most. I'm just going to read it. And then we're going to go back through and, and offer some commentary. Hey, hey, Alabama says, I tell people I'm a Christian when they ask my denomination. Oh, absolutely. That's a perfect, that's a, that's a, that's a perfect, um, that's a perfect response. Y'all, I could, for a hundred dollar bill for about three seconds, I couldn't come up with the word response. Anyway, let's go to Proverbs 27 and, 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 and with this idea of what would Jesus say to this woke Christian generation? Um, wisdom is justified of her children. Look at the outcome. Look at how it's worked for the nation roundabout. Look, for, look at how wokeism has worked in the world and see how it totally destroys everything it touches. And, and let's figure out whether or not we want wokeism in the church. All right? Boast not of thyself, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. A stone is heavy, and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Wrath is cruel, and anger outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and the, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The full soul loatheth a honeycomb, but to the hungry every bitter thing is sweet. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Folks, this right here, this guides us individually on how to be. This guides us individually on how to go. If we follow Proverbs 27, 1 through 8 individually and influence everyone in our sphere of influence to follow it, then we will be able to make uh, reformation, re reform from the ground up. Okay, so first two verses, pretty easy. Don't brag about what you're doing tomorrow and don't brag about yourself. Just keep your nose down and do the work and let the work speak for itself. Remember, wisdom is justified of her children. Then a stone is heavy and, the, and, and weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. You will never measure up nor be able to appease the anger of fools. Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before the envy? You will never be able to stand up to the scrutiny of the envious. You'll never be able to appease the anger of the fool. Open rebuke is better than secret love. It is better to have somebody who will openly rebuke you than who will in private tell you how good you are. I won't the truth from people. I want the truth from people. So I would rather have somebody in, in public who will rebuke me versus someone who will, oh, what's the word? Oh, come on, Tony. Flatter. I don't want you to flatter me in private. I would rather you rebuke me in public than flatter me in private. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. 
So one of the one of the worst things that a friend can do to you is wound you. But that's better than the best thing an enemy can do. And again, this goes back to flattery. An enemy, they're going to kiss you. They're going to flatter you. They're going to tell you, oh, you're so good, you're so good, you're so good. And then they're going to plunge the knife whenever the opportunity presents itself. So all of this stuff is pathological. Um, don't worry about validation from outward sources. Just do the work, the first two verses. Do the work and let 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 your work be justified because of the fruits thereof. Uh, verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. Don't keep toxic people around you because you think you need an entourage. Then, verse 7. The full soul loatheth the honeycomb. If you are self-actualized to the point where your validation is internal. You're internally validated. I don't need anybody else to validate me. I'm internally validated. Then you will not be tempted to brag about what you're doing or what you're going to do. And you won't be tempted to keep toxic people that blow smoke up your behind around you because that's going to make you sick. Because even when these people come along, because, you're, because your soul is full, that behavior will be bitter to you. And then you will be kept from like that little bitty baby bird that wanders from its nest, you will be kept from dying. What happens to a little bitty baby bird that, um, that falls out of its nest? Well, that little bitty baby bird either dies from the impact or lays on the forest floor chirping until a predator comes along and eats it. Jesus would tell this woke generation of Christians, you need to get back to the Bible. You need to get back to judging people based on the content of their character, not their intersectional group identity you need to throw all that wokeism out of the church because you're like a bunch of children there's no pleasing you once you go down this road your soul is going to be wide open and you're going to be so hungry you'll eat every bitter thing and it will taste good to you and you will think well because i'm swelling because of the putrid uh, death and decay that's inside of me because I'm swelling up. I must be growing. And you will think that right up until the time you kill over dead, being eaten from the inside out. I think that's what Jesus would say to this woke generation and this generation of woke Christians. Hello, Connie Barden. Good morning to you. Um, well, that's all I've got, folks. Uh, Connie, I hate you come in right on to the end of that. But... Um, and I I cannot pronounce the name Majba Udin. Uh, good to see you. We're thankful that you're here. But anyway, so yeah, spread the message. We need to avail ourselves of some knowledge about wokeism and cultural Marxism, because just like postmodernism, postmodernism, postmodernism at one time. I believe was the greatest threat to the church. Now it's cultural Marxism. Appreciate you, Diana Merritt Harden. All right. So you see what I'm doing right here? I got to shave my head again. I got a little bit of stubble. And so now it makes me, it's a coping mechanism. When I think I rub my head. All right, guys, that's all I've got. I hope I said something that uh, helped you in some way, something that informed you. I don't know if I'm going to turn all these notes into an article or not. I've got an article dropping on Substack for tomorrow morning called Faith and Engagement, Navigating Political Turmoil with Strength and Action. And I'll read you the first paragraph of the introduction. In tumultuous political climates, the words from Joshua 1.9 serve as a beacon of strength. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. This sentiment is intended to comfort and bolster us, yet it is crucial to understand that it does not advocate 
for disengagement from the political process. Rather, it calls to engage more deeply, rooted in faith and guided by the principles of our belief. And the subheadings are the misconception of faith as passivity, Christian engagement in politics, reforming from the ground up, balancing faith and political action. So, uh, yeah, be sure and subscribe to Substack. And whenever that drops in the morning, your email will be pinged. And we would love for you to support us monetarily by subscribing to Substack for a $5 a month subscription. Um, you can also send money through PayPal at nearchurches at gmail.com. And you can also do buy me a coffee and Patreon. Those links are in the show notes. Remember to be the algorithm for us. Um, Terry Crooks, thank you so much. Um, yes, thanks for explaining the social justice coming from the Caribbean. It's meant to me rich versus poor. We have watered down Jesus teaching, accepting things we are not to. Yeah, I got you, Terry. And, and that's the thing. Just be careful of any ism that causes you to look not at the individual, but at the group. Um, be careful of any ism that alleviates from the individual responsibility in their lives. Remember, Jesus would say to this woke generation, you're like a bunch of children. There's no pleasing you. You need to follow the right way and understand that wisdom is justified over children. Look at how this cultural Marxist social justice uh, uh, woke mess has affected society and we don't want that stuff in the church. We want to deal with people by the content of their character, not their social identity class. Thank you so much for that last comment, Terry Crooks. I think it's a good one to end on. God bless you. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. You know all the things to do. Be the algorithm for us, and we'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>